You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Good GP. My name is Christina Delange and today I am joined by Dr. Alison Archibald, a genetic counsellor from BCGS who has done a PhD in genetic carrier screening to discuss exactly that topic, genetic carrier screening. Welcome, Alison, and thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and be able to talk about this topic. Excellent. So let's jump into it. The first thing I wanted to ask you about is exactly what is genetic carrier screening and what sort of conditions are we talking about? What are the options for, you know, what conditions can be screened for? Sure. So what genetic carrier screening is, is it's genetic testing that can tell people whether they have an increased chance of having children with a serious genetic condition. So what this involves is screening for um, autosomal recessive and X-linked conditions. And essentially, you can kind of group the current options that are available into sort of two categories. So you've got small panel screening, which is typically offered as a three condition screen currently. And that screens for the most common inherited conditions in our population. And those are cystic fibrosis, fragile X syndrome and spinal muscular atrophy. And then you've got larger panels, which are usually screening for hundreds of conditions. And these are often quite a a range of different conditions, generally severe conditions, but there can be a bit more variability in those. And they're generally much more rare than, than the main common ones that are screened for in the smaller panel. Okay, great. You mentioned serious genetic conditions. So, you know, I think that this is sometimes something that comes up for GPs is that they might be unsure about, especially with the extended panels, that we might be testing for heaps of different things and maybe they don't have much of an impact. So, you know, why would we screen for them? Is there a certain threshold or a certain criteria that conditions have to meet to be able to be included, I guess, in the screening profile? Yeah, so that's such an excellent question. And I guess it's really a point of of current discussion as well. And it's very hard to say exactly what sort of meets that particular threshold. But typically, we are talking about conditions that really have a very serious impact on the life of the individual and the family as well. So we're talking about conditions that have really serious either medical implications, physical or intellectual disability, and some of which can be um, life-limiting as well. Okay, so let's talk about who we should be offering genetic carrier screening to then. Yeah, so this is really important, okay? So genetic carrier screening is really something that's relevant to everybody, and that's regardless of whether there's a family history or people are of a particular ethnic background or ancestry. So we've done a lot of research in this area and it very clearly shows us that the number one misconception about carrier screening is that health professionals think that you have to have a family history in order to offer screening for this, okay? And what we know is that the vast majority of children born with these conditions born into families where there's no prior family history, okay? So that's why it's really important to be consistent and offer carrier screening to anyone who's early in pregnancy or preconception. And so both the RACGP and RANSCOG recognise this and they actually recommend that information about carrier screening be made available to anyone preconception or early pregnancy. I I sort of often emphasise this point because it's such a key point and it's such a common misconception and I hear it all the time. If you've got one takeaway message from this podcast, it is that carrier screening is relevant to everyone. Kind of following on from that, 
what we really need to do with carrier screening is think, how do we make this part of our routine care? Because we don't know who's going to be a carrier. And actually, the more that you screen for, the more we know that actually we're all carriers to things. But you, you can't really take an approach where you're selective about who you offer this to because this is something that's relevant to everyone. So it's really about practitioners thinking, okay, how do I make this part of my routine discussions if I'm seeing someone preconception or early in pregnancy? This carrier screening needs to be on the list alongside all those other things, I guess, that are also on the list. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a common misconception I hear as well, Alison, talking to other GPs, is especially around this being in the preconception space. And so if someone comes in already pregnant, then you've missed the boat and you don't really discuss this. But, you know, more and more we're recognising and accepting that we should be discussing this even in pregnancy, you know, in that first one or two antenatal appointments, which are already jam-packed with information to talk about, but this is certainly something we should be adding to the, the list. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned in terms of this becoming part of the routine, you know, discussion that we are having with our patients. So Mm. let's talk about that kind of practicality. How do we make this part of our routine and how do we actually have the discussion around genetic carrier screening with our patients? Yeah, so another thing I guess our research has also shown us is that GPs can be a bit uncertain about how to talk about carrier screening. And I think that comes from a perception that genetic testing being genetic therefore is complex and that it requires quite an in-depth discussion and that informed consent is really important. And, And of course that is the case. But I think what people need to understand is that when you're talking about carrier screening, your responsibility is really just to introduce the idea of it, okay? So there are lots of different carrier screening providers out there and some of them actually offer really good educational brochures about carrier screening, really good website content. And so you don't have to feel like you have to become an expert in carrier screening in order to offer it to your patients. It's really about having some good resources there that you can direct your patients to. So it's about introducing the idea and starting the conversation. And it's really just talking to them about what carrier screening is and how it works and really just just getting them thinking about it because a lot of people don't know about carrier screening and so it's really just about planting the seed of the idea and then giving them some good resources to go away and actually read and think about and then they can potentially come back and talk about it further with you when they're actually ready to have the test. Yeah okay excellent and what happens once they have that test like let's talk through the process especially I guess if they come back with a positive result. Yeah, so I mentioned it earlier on about the two different types of carrier screening. So with the smaller three-condition panel, which is usually CF, Fragile X and SMA, that's usually done as a sequential test. So what we mean by that is usually the female partner screen first, and if she comes back as a carrier for cystic fibrosis or spinal muscular atrophy, then we need to test her partner, and so then the partner's tested. For Fragile X, it's only females who are at risk of having a child with Fragile X, so we don't need to test the partner when the female's a carrier for Fragile X. So that's sequential testing. And so then it's only if the couple together have an increased chance of having a child with one of those conditions that then they go on and access genetic counselling. With the larger panel screens, they tend to work better if you're screening both members of the couple at the same time. And the reason for that is that when we're screening for a much larger number of conditions, there's a much higher chance that you're going to come back as a carrier. 
Okay. And for some panels, it's about 70% of people who are screened come back as a carrier for at least one condition. So with the larger panels, it's better to screen both partners at the same time. And then if they come back showing they have an increased chance of having a child with a genetic condition, then they can go on and access genetic counselling. Now, the next point, I guess, is what is genetic counselling? So genetic counselling is really a process where you're speaking to a genetics health professional, which may be a genetic counsellor or a clinical geneticist, and you're talking through what the results mean, what the genetic implications of those results are, and what your next steps are. So for couples who have an increased chance of having a child with a genetic condition, and if they're pregnant, so as we were talking about before, some will be offered this in early pregnancy. And so the option there is that they can access prenatal testing to find out whether the pregnancy is effective or not. And so the genetic counselling support will actually help them through that process. So it's, it's about talking about your options, but it's also about providing emotional support at what can be a really quite difficult and complex time. If patients learn this preconception, then they do also have the option of going through IVF and having some testing called pre-implantation genetic testing. And that will tell them whether or not embryos might be affected. And the idea is that they can then implant unaffected embryos. So again, genetic counselling is around talking people through their options, both preconception and prenatally, and then helping them sort of coordinate that and navigate that process as well. Okay, I wanted to just pick your brain about a couple of little points there. Yeah. Firstly, just on average, how quickly would patients be able to access that genetic counselling? I imagine it would be a pretty stressful experience for someone finding out that, you know, especially if they were already pregnant, finding out that, that they are a carrier. Mm. So how quickly would they be able to actually get in touch and speak with a genetic counsellor? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And to a degree, that depends on what screening service you're using. So I think it's ideal to use a screening service that does provide comprehensive genetic counselling support, because usually that means you can access a genetic counsellor very promptly. And we're always trying to, to respond to our increased chance results really promptly, because we recognise how important it is that people get onto that information. If there's a delay, you know, people tend to get online, they tend to Google, they tend to really worry and get themselves into a bit of a state. So if we can get quick access to genetic counselling, that makes a real difference and it certainly helps people adjust and adapt to the information. Um, the other option is that they can access genetic counselling services through the public hospital systems across the country and there are variable waiting times there. So, you know, usually it's about choosing a provider where genetic counselling is included and then there's usually pretty prompt access to that support. Okay, Alison, so in terms of the choice between the usual kind of three conditions in the genetic carrier screening versus doing the extended panel of genetic carrier screening, how can we talk to patients about deciding between those two options? Yeah, sure. It's a good question. And I, I think, you know, on one hand, it's wonderful that there are more options and choices out there. And on the other hand, having more options does make the conversation more complex, potentially. So again, I think it's about just introducing the ideas and the concept and then referring them to other information they can read about, because that's going to have more detail than what you can probably provide in a, in a short consultation where you might have other competing priorities as well. But in general, the way I kind of explain it to people is that the small panel, which is usually those three common conditions, is really focusing on common and severe conditions where there's really good tests available with really strong evidence to support 
the notion of screening for those conditions. The larger panel includes a much wider range of conditions. Some of those are a lot rarer, so you're less likely to come back as a carrier for those. And they can be a bit more variable in terms of the presentation of the condition. And I guess the other big factor that differentiates the two is cost. So generally, the expanded panels are much more expensive than the free condition screen. And that, for some people, is, is going to be a factor that plays into their decision making too. And I guess the other thing to emphasise is if people are really agonising between those two options and really not sure what to do, you know, you can suggest that they contact, you know, if your genetic screening service provider does offer genetic counselling, you can actually suggest that they contact the service and actually speak to a genetic counsellor because a genetic counsellor might be able to sort of spend a little bit more time with them going through the pros and cons and, and just supporting their decision making around which option is, is going to be better for them. Okay, so a really um, specific question I have that I just kind of thought of as we were chatting was around what happens when there may be a bit of a question mark around paternity or maybe if a woman has chosen not to involve the father of the baby during the pregnancy, is there any utility in still discussing genetic carrier screening with women in that situation? Yeah, look, I think that everyone should be told about carrier screening so that they can decide if it's something that, that they want to sort of engage in. And if you've got a scenario like that, I think it's probably a really good idea to encourage them to speak to a genetic counsellor at the service that's providing the testing, because I guess there are some other factors that can play a role there. So, you know, family history can play a role. Also, you know, what we're actually screening for. So there are some situations where in this scenario, if the female did come back as a carrier for a particular condition, there might be scenarios where you could actually offer testing for a pregnancy in a situation where you don't have the father available, so the biological father available to test. So it's a bit more of a nuanced situation and so I think that's where it's good to kind of engage the genetic counselling services. But I think it's really important that everyone gets the option of considering carrier screening and it's just about having someone who can kind of talk it through with that person and help them decide if that's right for them. Yeah, great information. Okay, so Alison, I've got a patient in front of me. I think, yep, it's appropriate for them to have some information around genetic carrier screening. What do I actually say to them? What are some really practical things that I could discuss with that patient? Yep, so I think the easy lead into it is just to ask them if they've ever heard about genetic carrier screening and lots of patients haven't heard about it. Some might have because, you know, friends might have been offered it or family members. But, yeah, just asking them if they've heard about it before. And then just explaining that it's something that you always talk to patients about. So it's just a, a routine thing for you to offer it so that they don't think there's some particular reason that they've decided, you know, that you've decided to offer it specifically to them. But this is, we, we talk to our patients about this now. It's screening that can be done before pregnancy or early in pregnancy to find out whether a couple has an increased chance of having a child with inherited genetic condition. Quite often the response you'll get, and some of you, obviously you're listening, you will have already had this response oh, this is probably not relevant to me, there's nothing in my family. Um, and so there it's really just about challenging that and saying, well, actually, interestingly, carrier screening is relevant to everybody and you don't need to have a family history of any of these genetic conditions to be a carrier. And that's why we offer it to everybody. And then it's just about saying that if you did come back showing that you do have an increased chance of having a child with a genetic condition, then there are reproductive options available to you. You can test a pregnancy 
you can consider doing IVF and screen embryos for the condition and that genetic counselling would be available at that point so that you would have the option of speaking to an expert about what your results mean and helping you to understand that. And I think that point's really important because a lot of our research has really shown that people want to know what might happen in that scenario so that they know what kind of supports and information is available to them. And I think the other thing that's really important to emphasise is people kind of need to understand the concept of a screening test. So it's important for people to understand that this is a screening test. And while it will identify the majority of people who have an increased chance of having a child with these conditions, it won't completely eliminate the risk. Um, and that, really, that comment really applies to any kind of reproductive screening test. It's just an important thing for people to understand. One last thing I would kind of also emphasise, because this can create a bit of confusion, is that this is completely different from combined first trimester screening and non-invasive prenatal testing. We do get a bit of confusion there. Sometimes practitioners will offer carrier screening and the patient thinks, okay, I've done my screening now. So important to understand that it combined first trimester screening and NIPT are screening for chromosomal conditions, whereas carrier screening for um, inherited genetic conditions. So just important to emphasise that so that patients don't get confused. But those are kind of the key things that I would mention and then direct them to give them an information brochure or direct them to an online resource so that they can read more about it if they want. Yeah, there's some really great tips and I really love how you break it down into those points. So thank you. And you mentioned sort of directing patients to resources. Mm. You know, are there any that you could specifically mention? Yeah, so there's a website called carrierscreening.org.au, which was actually developed by the SMA, Association of Australia. And that provides some general information about carrier screening and options. And then it lists a number of carrier screening providers across the country. So that's a good one for patients. For practitioners who are wanting to know more about carrier screening, some of you will know that the RACGP has put together an education module called Beware the Rare, which is really excellent. And I would certainly encourage people to go through that. And then from us at VCGS, we have some quite comprehensive information available on our website. So we have a particular guide around carrier screening to help patients understand their options that might help. Just thinking as well, another, another option is actually, so the, the cystic fibrosis, fragile X syndrome and spinal muscular atrophy, there are three wonderful support organisations for those conditions. And they all have actually been advocating for carrier screening for quite a long time. And so I've done a lot of work in this space and they all have good information about carrier screening on their websites too, as well as more information about those three conditions. So that's another place that, that people could go to for information. Thanks, Alison. This has been so informative. I know really, I guess, the availability and access and therefore kind of awareness of genetic carrier screening has really sort of just taken off over the last kind of five to 10 years. And now I think it's really coming to the forefront of both practitioners and, and patients. So it's great to have a little update there for GPs. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. 